Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12. A week or so ago, I had a friend sharing with me uh, that he was on a mission trip and he was sharing with some people in the area who were religious but had never come to understand God's grace. And in this time, uh, he shared with them the grace of God. And, you know, I've seen this over the years in times where I have shared the grace of God with people. And when people first began to understand the wonder of God's grace, how it changes them in their lives. Uh, I've seen tears come down the face of people who for the first time, have understood God's grace. What an amazing blessing it is to be God's children, to have our sins under the blood of Jesus, to know that we have eternal life. Uh, I, I think of these things, and I'm just amazed. And you may be here today, you may say, well, you know, I don't know. Uh, that I have eternal life, and I need to know, and we're going to give you an opportunity to know that and to have even more reasons to thank the Lord Jesus today. Uh, But uh, we need to give thanks for the great things the Lord has done for us. Uh, We we talk about the creation and all of the things that God has made. We talk about our health and our families, and all of these things are important to give thanks for. But, But the thing that we need to give thanks for, I think more than anything, is what Jesus has done for us at the cross. And uh, that is the supreme thing he has done. And uh, the scripture we're going to look at today, uh, Paul is writing to the Colossians. He's saying, look, uh, I want you to put on this new righteous nature that you have. I want you to walk in love. I want you to reach out to one another and minister to one another in the body of Christ. But as he does so, he's telling them why they need to reach out. And he's giving them reasons, and the reasons are what God has done for them. And he says, because of what God has done for you, this is what you need to do for one another. And that should be the motivation of our love and service for others is what God has done for us. But as he tells these motivations, we see some wonderful things that we need to thank God for as his people. And so uh, the title of my message today is, Let the Church Give Thanks. Look with me at verse 12. We'll read this passage. It says, Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity, and let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule in your hearts and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So let the church give thanks. Why? 
thank God. Well, thank Him, first of all, because He chooses you. Thank God because He chooses you. He says in verse 12, Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved. Chosen, holy, and dearly loved. He chooses you. Now, sometimes this idea of God's choosing has been controversial in the past, but it need not be. Uh, Actually, uh, if you look at it from the right perspective, it is a very comforting, wonderful doctrine. And here's how it goes. Uh, Romans 9 through 11 are usually the main texts that talk about the choosing that God does. Verse uh, Chapters 9 and 11 talk about the fact that God is free to choose. He can choose to save whoever he wants, right? He's God. He has that prerogative. But chapter 10 tells who he chooses to choose. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Why was this a controversial thing in the early church? It was controversial because the Jews wanted Gentiles to convert to Judaism. They didn't want Gentiles coming to faith on their own. But God was bringing Gentiles to faith on their own. And so over and over again, it was in Peter's life, we've talked about that last week, uh, he, was, he was having to tell the Jewish people, hey, God is including the Gentiles. Well, now we've got Paul. Uh, Paul in Romans telling them, look, just as God saved the Jews, so he is free to choose the Gentiles as well. Anyone who confesses Jesus as their Lord and believes in their heart that God's raised them from the dead will be saved. God can choose to do that because he's God. Could God choose to let people freely choose To trust in Him. I believe He can. I also believe that God helps us choose. I believe He he gives the grace that we need to choose and to choose for Him. uh, And and He gives us the actual choice of choosing for or against Him. Now, I say all that just to say this. Just because the doctrine of choosing is controversial doesn't mean we should ignore it. Because it is a very precious doctrine. Uh, This choosing is also personal. Uh, God told Jeremiah, Before you were formed in the womb, I knew you and set you apart to be a prophet to the nations. Can I tell you something? God knows you and God loves you. And if you know Jesus Christ today, I can tell you on the authority of his word that he has chosen to save you. And if you don't know him today, I can tell you on the authority of his word that if you'll confess Jesus is your Lord and you'll believe in your heart that God's raised him from the dead, he'll choose you too. Isn't that wonderful? But that choice is personal and it is despite what he knows about us. Did you know God knows every single thing about you? He knows all of your strengths. He knows all of your weaknesses. He knows all of your victories. He knows all of your failures. He sees your future. He knows the failures you haven't committed yet, the sins you haven't committed yet. And what does the Bible say? While we were yet sinners, Christ died 
for us. God chose to send his son to pay the price for sin on a cruel Roman cross for your sin and my sin because he loves us. He chooses. Nobody twists the arm of God to save a lost soul. He does it eagerly and joyfully. He chooses to do so, and he chooses you personally. He chooses you personally. Uh, Two little boys were playing together, and one of them was adopted, and the other little boy said to the adopted boy, he said, he said, well, I'm sorry for you that you had to be adopted. He said, what do you mean you're sorry for me? He said, I'm sorry for you. He said, my parents chose me. Your parents were stuck with you. <laughs> right? So uh, we are chosen by God. What an amazing thing that the God of all the universe, despite our failures and our shortcomings, would choose us in his grace. It is amazing and wonderful to know that our God loves us that way. So thank him for choosing you and thank him for the cross of Jesus Christ. So, uh, so thank you. Uh, let the church give thanks. Why? Uh, why thank God? Thank him because he chooses you. Secondly, thank him because he forgives you. Look at verse 13. Bearing with one another uh, and forgiving one another, if anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are to forgive. So we're called to forgive. That's a choice that we have in the power of the Holy Spirit. We can make that choice uh, to forgive. But just as the Lord has forgiven you, how has he forgiven us? He separated our sins as far as the east is from the west. He's buried them in the sea of forgetfulness. He says he remembers our sin no more. I love this. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Isn't that wonderful? Listen, if you're a child of God today, I'm going to tell you something. Every sin you've ever committed or would commit is under the blood of Jesus. It is forgiven by God's grace. Now, um, Fellowship can be affected through our sin. We, we confess that, and we restore the fellowship through confession and repentance. Um, but that forgiveness is ours because it was purchased at the cross by Jesus Christ. It was done. It was settled back then. Uh, and, and where sin abounds, there did grace much more abound. Aren't you glad that you are forgiven? <laughs> Listen. When you understand how great your sin is, a lot of people don't understand that. They think they're doing pretty well. They, they just don't understand how great their own sin is. Once you understand how great your own sin is, God's grace is exceedingly precious. Those who are forgiven much love much, Jesus said. So praise God. Thank God. In this Thanksgiving season, thank Him that He chooses you. Thank him that he forgives you. Thank you that he unifies you. Look at verse 14. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Put on love. Now, he has, he's talking about the choice we have as Christians. I've got two natures, right? I've got an old nature that can choose to sin. I've got a new nature that can choose to follow Christ so I can Put on love. I can put on Christ's love 
rather than living in an unforgiving, bitter, uh, with a bitter heart. Okay, so that's a choice that I make as a child of God. But how do I make that choice? Well, uh, verse 10 says, put on the new self. You are being renewed. That means somebody else is doing the renewing, right? You're being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. So on the one hand, you're choosing. On the other hand, you're being renewed. But the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who enables it. So he's saying, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. So as Christ renews us, we can choose to put on love, and we can be unified with one another. That's a wonderful thing. That's a great blessing. Listen, I thank God for the unity in this church. I thank God for the love that I see in this church. But I don't take it for granted. I pray for God to unify this church. I pray for God's, God's, that God would bring us together. He'd help us pray together. He'd help us love one another. He'd help us be unified so that we can go together. Unified according to his will, not unified according to your will or my will. Amen? Unified according to him. Unified together. And that love that brings that unity uh, is empowered by Christ. That's why we need to pray for it. Did you know you can have better unity in your home through the power of Christ? In your relationship with your spouse? uh, In your relationship with your kids? As you let Christ renew you, you spend that time with him and you draw near to him and then you choose to put on love and the power of the Holy Spirit, you can be a source of unity and blessing in your home. And you can be a source of unity and blessing in this world. Now, it is true that there's an offense to the cross. It is true that... Um, There are some who will persecute God's people. But I want to tell you something. We need Christians who are filled with the Spirit of God to be active out in this world in the the circles of ideas and in, in, in all of politics and all these things. We need Christians in those areas. And we need them to be showing this kind of love in these areas. We we've lost our way as a country. We, we can't have a civil conversation in this country anymore. And it's a, it's a sad thing. And so uh, I'm not here to, to talk about politics, but I'm going to tell you something. The unity that Christ brings can touch every sphere of life. And it's a great blessing. It's a great blessing. Thank God for unity. All right. So let the church give thanks. Why should we thank God? Thank Him because... He chooses you. He forgives you. He unifies you. He guides you. Look at verse 15. And let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. Okay? So uh, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Something along those lines is, is how it's to be translated. And the idea is that God's peace, that, that peace that we have when we're filled with the Spirit of God is guiding us in the decisions that we make as individuals for God's, for God's kingdom. But also the decisions we make together as a body of believers, right? Because actually this verse is addressed to the body. It, the, the yous uh, here are in the plural, okay? You let the peace of Christ... Uh, to which you were calling one body, rule your heart. The your is plural in the original. 
So we let God lead us by His peace together. And then we're peaceable in the way we make our decisions together as God's people, right? Uh, I've, I've seen the opposite of that before in churches. Where it's not peaceable at all. Where it is warfare. This side is going to get the victory over this side. And this side is going to get the victory over this side. And nobody's going to stand in our way, right? And whatever we have to do, whatever we have to say, and however we have to act, we're going to get our way, right? That's not from God. God gives us a wisdom, the, the Scripture says, that is first peaceable. So let, letting the peace of Christ reign uh, in our guidance is important. Uh, I believe, you, you say, well, uh, the wife's supposed to submit to the husband. The Bible says that. Well, you're right. But can I tell you something, husband, if you love your wife, you're going to consider your wife and your major decisions. Amen? If we're going to be peaceable in how we make decisions, why would I do something that is going to hurt and distress her just because I want to do it? That's selfish, right? But if I'm going to be peaceable in how I go about making my decisions, I'm going to consider her feelings and what she is concerned about, and we're going to make that decision as much as we can together, right? So, uh, now I do believe that, that, you know, in those cases where there has to be a tie break, uh, that there should be uh, an authority structure in the home. But listen, uh, we don't need to throw out love with that. We're called to lay down our lives for one another, aren't we? As God's people, that's part of, who, that's part of our calling. And so, um, we're to be peaceable in that. All right, so let the peace of Christ, to which you are called in one body, rule in your hearts, and be thankful. So thank God for the guidance that he gives you. Uh, Listen, I'm grateful that the Holy Spirit of God is with us and can guide us in our daily life. I do believe he gives uh, direction uh, in our witness, direction in our edification of uh, of other people in the body of Christ. And he gives direction uh, sometimes to where we're going to live. What did God uh, tell, tell Paul? He says, I, I want you to go to Macedonia. He saw in a dream a Macedonian saying, come over here and minister to us. And the Holy Spirit redirected him. He had planned to go this way. The Holy Spirit said, you're going this way. And, uh, and God guided him along his path. God told Jonah to go to Nineveh. And he didn't want to go to Nineveh, right? Uh, but God guides us. In our lives. And that is a great blessing. I'm grateful. I don't have to walk like a, like a man walking along a dark path in my life. I've got a Savior who can see my future. He knows his purpose for me. And he can guide me and lead me in life. All right. So thank God for his guidance. So thank you because he chooses you. He forgives you. He unifies you. He guides you. He speaks to you. Look at verse 16. Let the word of Christ... Dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. The Word of God. Is it not an amazing thing that the God of the universe would speak to you and speak to me? (laughs) And that He would give us His Word and it, 
It's a living word. It's living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. It cuts through all the nonsense in our lives and shows us who we really are. It gives us guidance and wisdom for this life. It shines a light in a dark world to provide guidance and hope. What an incredible treasure is the Word of God. I can remember as a new Christian being taught uh, as you read the Psalms or, you know, you read these things, put your name in there like, uh, um, blessed, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. You might say, blessed is Roger who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. And you personalize it. And you, what, what is the purpose of that? It's to show that God is not just speaking to people 2,000 years ago, although some things may specifically refer to a group of people back then. Um, But God speaks directly to us through His Word today. There's a timeless message to Scripture that applies to God's people. And what a a wonderful thing that is, that God speaks to us. So thank God that He speaks to you and and value God's Word. Be in God's Word uh, and let Him bless you through it. All right. So thank Him because He chooses you. He forgives you. He unifies you. He guides you. He speaks to you. He inspires your worship. Look at this. Um, Through psalms, verse 16, through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. There's a lot of debate. What is that talking about there? And... uh, I think the obvious, the obvious issue with the Psalms would be the, uh, the scriptures of the Old Testament that we use in, in music. Uh, but it's debated what all this may mean, but it shows that there's different kinds of music, right? Did you know that you don't have to have just one kind of music in church? You can have all kinds of music, all right? Uh, did you know somebody can play bluegrass and honor God? And somebody can play something contemporary and honor God. And somebody can play something in between and honor God. All right? Uh, One psalm says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. God inspires our worship. So it's not just the, the music itself. But it's how we respond to the music. Uh, he says, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. So the heart is to be engaged, right? Have you ever sung a song you didn't like? I'm not going to ask you to give testimony to that, okay? You probably have given testimony. Um, uh, but um, if you've ne- if you've ever sung, sung a song you didn't like, I had that issue years ago. I was, uh, I was a teenager. I was singing in the choir, and uh, there were some issues, I, which I won't get into, but I was just struggling. I was struggling to worship. I didn't like what I was singing. Uh, I, I was struggling, and I felt like the Holy Spirit just, just touched my heart one day, and he said, he said, Roger, he said, why don't you just choose to worship me? This is about me. It's not about you. So, <laughs> convicted and chastised a little bit, uh, I said, well, Lord, you're right, I am being selfish. And I, I confessed that to the Lord, uh, which, by the way, I don't think there's anything wrong in trying to 
sing songs that minister to the people of God. Okay, nothing wrong with that. But the point that I'm trying to make here is that I chose with music that I didn't like to sing praise to God to honor Him. And you know, I began to get some blessing out of that. It was all in my attitude. And so um, the heart is, is what's so important in music. So whether you're singing something you don't like or you're singing something you do like, have you ever shifted into autopilot when you're singing something you do like? You're just like, uh, how many verses have we sung? You know, And you, you don't even know what you've sung. And uh, you're just going through the motions. And, and listen, uh, God wants us to be engaged in our worship. He wants our heart to be involved in our worship. And so, how does that happen? Well, it only happens through the power of the Spirit of God. Now, I'll, I'll confess to you, there have been some days that I've not felt good, or I've, maybe I've, I'm out of sorts or something. I'm sitting up here, and I'm thinking, well, you know, I, I don't really much feel like worshiping God today. Uh, and, and I struggle, and I say, God, Lord, you know, if, if right worship is to happen, it's not going to happen with my strength today. I need you. Please fill me with your Spirit. Please Worship through me so that I can honor you in the way you deserve to be honored today. Uh, that's what God wants uh, from us. And, and we need him every single day uh, to inspire our worship. That's a great prayer to pay. Lord, would you worship through me? That might change your life. It, it, I can remember a time where worship happened occasionally in my life. Now, worship most of the time happens daily in my life. Can I tell you, there's a huge difference. And how blessed it is to draw near to God and, and to fellowship with Him through worship. All right, I didn't mean to talk about that that long, but something I care about a great deal. Uh, he inspires your worship. Uh, that being renewed, we talked about in verse 10, applies to this as well. Uh, you are choosing to worship God. You're choosing to focus upon what you're singing. But you're also relying upon the Lord who renews you to enable you to do what he's called you to do. And by the way, that's true of all the Christian life. You can't do it yourself. But you've got to choose to do it. Right? You rely upon the Lord to do it through you, but you must choose to do it. That's a key to the Christian life. So, um, all right. So, he inspires your worship. Uh, so, so, why thank God? Thank Him because He chooses you. He forgives you. He unifies you. He guides you. He speaks to you. He inspires your worship. He uses you. He uses you. Look at verse 17. And whatever you do, that word whatever is important. That means whatever. Okay? Uh, whatever. Whatever it is. It doesn't matter. Listen, if you're sweeping a floor at your job or if you're... Uh, typing a document, or if you're cleaning a bedpan, or whatever it may be, as you do what you're doing, do it to the glory of God, and it becomes worship. Whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So, all of life, can be worship at the workplace, in the home. And here, yes, here as we gather together, it could be worship. But 
but let God use you uh, in, in these different spheres of life. Whatever you do, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. You know, God, God creates us all differently. Some of you are talkers. You were born talking. Um, we used to laugh when, uh, when Megan was little, uh, her cousin Joseph came, and he was, he was a talker, and uh, they, neither one of them could really talk, but he was babbling, okay? And uh, she'd all, always been quiet, but then we said she started babbling back at Joseph, and she never stopped. <laughs> and, uh, so, uh, you know, uh, so some of us are lean, lean more to the talking side of things, and some of us lean more to the doing side of things. But listen, it doesn't matter whether you're a doer or you're a talker. You could talk to the glory of God. You could do to the glory of God. But whatever you do, in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the glory of our great God. And thank Him for using it. What an amazing thing that the God of the universe would include me and include you in the work that He is doing. Isn't that an exciting thing to think about? As you come to this church and you serve in this church, you serve in this community and doing good for others, you serve Jesus Christ. Because He says, if you've done it to one of the least of these, you've done it to me. That is an amazing thing. And one day we'll receive rewards in heaven for the things we've done for Christ. And I think it will extend to whatever we do in this life that we do for the glory of God. So in this Thanksgiving season, there's a whole lot to thank God for. Thank God for the the blessing of his creation. Thank you for your family. Thank him for your health and all these different things. But especially thank him for the things that Jesus has done for you. And how he has involved you in his work and in his kingdom, how he saved your soul and redeemed you from sin, gave you a hope and a future. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. I'm 52 years old. I was saved when I was 11 years old. And I'm going to tell you something. Jesus Christ changed my life, and I've never gotten over it. He's a living God. He's real. He changes lives. Give your life to Jesus if you don't know him. And enter into his blessing. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the amazing work of your salvation that you've done for us. And all the blessings you give to us, God. You're you're such an amazing God. Help us live our lives to honor you. And to worship you. Help us love one another and serve one another. uh, Because you have blessed us so richly and greatly. God, give us a heart for people who are lost. And uh, Lord, for those who are here today that don't know Jesus, I pray, God, that today would be the day they would repent of their sin and put their trust in Jesus for eternal life. And uh, I pray that your spirit would have his way. uh, Remove any distraction or interruption, God, from this time of invitation. God, help us make decisions as you would have us do today. And we pray.